Welcome to Crypto Talk Radio, the podcast for everyday investors like you. Visit us on the web at CryptoTalkRadio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Thank you for that, Bailey, and welcome everybody out there in Crypto Talk Radio found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. Vivek Ramaswamy quits the presidential uh, run that he was going on. He was the spokesperson for the young young elitists out there, the youthful people that wanted something different, wanted somebody that spoke like them. Now, let's be fair. Vivek Ramaswamy was a very, he is a very educated individual. He's a very, he speaks very well. He's a very eloquent speaker. So he's in no way representative of the youth of America. I digress. It was surprising to see him pull out, not because he was behind. He was in the last place, arguably. That's not why I was surprised. I was surprised because he struck me as the person that wasn't going to give up and was going to keep on pushing. But I did hear him say on multiple occasions, he would keep on going until he couldn't. And he would listen to whatever the people said. If the people largely leaned not in his direction, he openly said, I'll pull out if that's what it's going to be. And with what the, the nonsense that happened in Colorado, he said, if this doesn't change, I will eventually pull out. And I call on the rest of you to pull out because that's crap of what you guys are doing. And if you didn't follow the story, kudos, by the way. But what happened is that Colorado, arguably against all precedent, pulled Donald Trump off to where he was not eligible to be you know, voted for. Well, that's Colorado saying, voters, your voice doesn't really matter. We don't care who you want. We're not going to allow it, which flies in the face of tradition. So it all is around this word of insurrection. And when Vivek taught, was able to stand up and said, look, this is how I, I'm going to stand. I'm going to pull out. Da, da, da. This, that's, I have a newfound respect for him. He's not clean 100%. There's some things in his past that were kind of shady. But the reason I bring him up, he was one of the select few that was even anywhere close to mentioning a new framework for cryptocurrency support and advocacy in the future. So losing him, brings back questions about supporting cryptocurrency going forward. I'm not suggesting that we're going to regress all the way backward. I am saying that he was the closest to it. Donald Trump, I like to dollar. He has his NFTs. He has that stuff. The man doesn't, he's not directly said he supports cryptocurrency in any message I've ever heard from him. He's kind of ambivalent about it. He doesn't really take a side, right? And that's cool. That's his prerogative. The thing is, there are people waiting on the sidelines to support the candidate that will support cryptocurrency and healing it. And if we don't have that, we damn sure are not going to have that on the Democrat side because none of them really do. So if we don't have Vivek, who was arguably the one supporting the framework, and Donald Trump has not openly said he will support it yet, then it raises questions with this run that we're in the midst of. We don't know what's going to happen. Because 2024 is when we are supposed to elect a new president. If the person that goes in there happens to be anti-cryptocurrency, it might stymie the very run that we're looking for. Now, there's two ways to look at that. That, my friends. And by the way, if you're new, welcome. My name is Leister. I'm your host, and I am sharing thoughts up front before I get to the real numbers and the meat of the matter. But I'd like you to consider what this might mean. It might surprise you to think I considered that this may be a bullish thing. Not that he dropped out. That's not bullish. But the potential of what it might mean, given what the potential options are for a replacement for him, right? 
when we look at the other side of it, then we got to think about what would be the reaction? What would be the natural reaction from some of these wealthy mother fathers in the event that we don't get somebody who's openly supportive of cryptocurrency? What is most likely to happen? And that is what I want to kind of dig into. So I'm going to start with the numbers as they stand today and some of the sentiment things that I think took place. Then we're going to spin over into, you know, just kind of scope it out, speculate and see what we end up with. And I think I might just very well surprise you with what I come up with. On this absolute frigid day, let's go ahead and check out some numbers. Coindesk.com, and I'm going to zoom out to the month chart. And I'm going to start with Bitcoin because I noticed something very peculiar, but it ties to what I'm going to talk about later. Bitcoin is way more red than green, had a major dump that happened. And some people started putting out some speculatives about what was going on. And it ties to the whole ETFs, but it also ties to the general, the way that the rich and mother fathers, they play the game. It's all a game. And it, that connects then to the whole Ramaswamy and supporting a cryptocurrency and who gets in office 2024. It's all tied together. And I, I share that opinion. So bottom line, though, we see more red than green on Bitcoin. We speculate that Bitcoin is going to have a little rough time. And I've mentioned if you're not new and you've heard me a while here at CryptoTalkRadio.net have heard me say we had some volatility coming our way. That's the middle of what we see. And that's simply because there was going to be some sells. There were going to be some buys. Some people had some really interesting speculation that I wanted to talk about and dig into because I do support and share some of what was said. First of all, they speculated that this was intentional. The whole sell the news portion was intentional, was planned, that they were waiting, just waiting in the wings to go ahead and dump that bad boy, doop, doop, doop. But there is something to it. Some people thought that the dump was really just taking profits, was just getting the money out was just getting away and being done with it. People did a little bit of digging, a little bit of sleuthing on blockchains and otherwise, and they found a rather peculiar pattern. The pattern told them that it might just very well be, and I am not giving a statement of definitive fact, I'm sharing simple speculation so you can kind of chew on it and think about it yourself or be tinfoil like myself. The theory was that what they were trying to do was trigger dumps and maintain dumps not because they were trying necessarily to stack bags, although stacking bags comes along with territory. Rather, it was to try to entice people to sell, to FOMO sell, seeing a bunch of red, thinking that we're trashed, we're, we're done, this is it, the end is near, like the WWE song, that we were toast and we were just going to dump out and it would trigger FOMO sales, which if you think about it, that's exactly what people do. They shouldn't, but that's what they do. They see a bunch of red, especially this deep of a red from 48,000 Bitcoin down to 43,000 as I record this would cause naturally cause people to dump off. And these are retail people. So it's not like they can cause significant harm. The rich people, the rich mother fathers are still in it. The rich mother fathers are still buying. That's the reason it didn't go very much further than 43. People speculated that it might go as low as $32,000, but probably not too much lower than that. Do you know what that means? That means that the floor is being held. The line is being held. That means the rich mother fathers are not going anywhere, but it might be strategic. And I, on the previous episode, did allude to the possibility that this might be strategic with the Vanguard situation. So people are kind of churning. Ah, we think this is smoke and mirrors. This isn't real. This isn't the end. This isn't the down. This certainly isn't the bottom. But it's going to jump. And once it jumps, they're estimating it goes as high as 50,000 and beyond. But that by the time it hits the 50,000, people will then 
FOMO back in, which causes more of a run-up. Now, this is obvious in why that logically makes sense. It's because it's nature, human nature. It's what they do. They do the opposite of what you're supposed to do. They sell when they see red. They buy when they see green, even though it's the polar opposite of what you're supposed to do. It's arguably what makes the industry continue to work. That's just how it is. So people did more analysis and they found the vast majority of this trigger activity is coming from two primary exchanges, Binance, as in Binance.com, and OKX. Now, when you think about Binance, Binance arguably holds the vast majority of trading volume for any cryptocurrency that gets listed on there. So if we see the vast majority of trade around Bitcoin coming around Bitcoin, or excuse me, Binance itself, what does that tell you? It tells you that there's going to be significant price shifts just by virtue of volume and accessibility to Binance. That also tells us the vast majority of this activity is not happening in the United States. It's happening overseas because Binance.com serves overseas. Well, what does that tell us? It tells us that rich mother fathers arguably are pushing and pushing and pushing to get that price down, not necessarily to stack, even if that's a byproduct, but to entice more people to sell, possibly to entice U.S. people to sell because U.S. people are more likely to sell. That then gives them a greater position or at least allows them to stack bags in addition to when it goes on a run-up, triggering the FOMO to buy back in when it's a high price. We saw the same thing happen, though, in late 2020, 2021, early. We saw the same thing happen, and it may simply be history repeating itself. And what I'd like you to do, my call to action, is to remember that I said that. Remember that I shared that speculation. It didn't come from me. It came from other people. Remember I shared that speculation. Check back in and see how right we may or may not have been, because it wouldn't surprise me if that's what they're doing, because that's a smart strategy. It's very brilliant to do that. On another different, unrelated, although connected cryptocurrency, I wanted to talk about MakerDAO. The Maker token, MKR, went on a major run very recently. Maker was as low, I want to say it was like, what, $700, $500. And right now, as I record this, it's up at $2,000, estimated to go amazing levels. Maker, its price is estimated to go even higher than Ethereum at some point. Its price is estimated to go somewhere near Bitcoin at a point. It has a heavily constrained supply, and it seems to be going through these waves of pumps and dumps. So it's a highly volatile asset for sure, but it seems to always re, you know, gain what it lost as it goes up. I'm talking about Maker because it's starting to intrigue me more and more as I watch it. There's a general bullish sentiment around it that I'm going to be paying more attention to. And at some point in a future episode, I may dedicate an episode to covering that ecosystem in a little bit more depth because... I've not given it the time and attention that I think that it deserves, and I want to change that. The IRS here in the United States came out and gave some, I believe it's good news, but some good news saying there was a point, and this was roughly about earlier in the year, I had talked about how the IRS was going to try to tax you mother fathers a little bit more, mostly around businesses and rich people, and they were going to do a $10,000 rule. So basically any transaction in cryptocurrency over $10,000 to be reported like cash. They came out and gave an update and basically said it's not ready to go yet, so don't worry about it, which is good. And that probably freaked a lot of people when they announced it because at the time, it was you know jail time that you could incur if you duck this tax. And so people, that may have contributed to some of the bearish sentiment that we saw, but they came out and kind of allayed the concerns. Quote, Businesses do not have to report the receipt of digital assets the same way as they must report the receipt of cash until Treasury and IRS issue regulations. 
This particular provision requires Treasury and the IRS to issue regulations before it goes into effect. Stop. So, in other words, what they're saying is that it's not ready to go. It's not approved. It's out there. It's proposed, but they haven't finalized it. And the finalized means that the Treasury Department, the United States Treasury Department, and the IRS would need to put an announcement saying, this is what it is. Here's the effective date, because it's going to be a future-dated effective date. And here's what, what is involved in this business. So, now, that means that, you know, if you were ducking your stuff, you're right, it, you know, holding off ducking your stuff, you're safe at least for another year. We suspect that there's going to be a little bit more shift and possibly an effective date of 2025 is my guess. I said before that when you talk about trying to treat cryptocurrency equivalent to fiat, you're running into all sorts of problems because when you think about the recipient and the sender of cryptocurrency, there's all sorts of uncertainty that goes into taxation and the consideration of taxation of fiat that cannot apply on the crypto side. For example, I was trying to sell my one of my one of my cars and I told people, look, I would prefer you pay in cryptocurrency because it saves you a lot of headache. It saves you carrying thousands in cash. It's a quick transaction. It's mostly anonymous and, you know, and nobody took it. Nobody took a bite, but it got me thinking. It's like, okay, here on the tax reporting, they're going to ask who was it that received the money? What's their address? What's their state? The, because there's usually state level laws in addition to it, as well as different percentages based on the dollar thresholds. So it would have been a nightmare to kind of track all these personal transactions of cryptocurrency. The additional part of this is that you cannot right now attribute a price to cryptocurrency until you sell it because it doesn't really have any value until you transact it. Once you transact it, it's whatever the value was according to the transaction. The other part of this is, well, how are you going to be able to document social security number, which is required in taxation? of the person who was the recipient or the sender of the transaction. You can't because in DSIN, none of that information is collected on purpose. It's supposed to be anonymous. There's all sorts of problems and things that they were never able to solve and that I think contributed to some of the delays. There's also pending lawsuits out there to try to stop the train from going too far. And I said, I don't think it's going to fly. I don't think they're going to make it happen because there's too many. It, it sounds good, right? Of We're going to get all this money. Deep, deep, deep. They weren't going to make it happen. Certainly not in the short term. Long term, they may pull something out, which I believe is impetus behind trying to legalize some of this access to cryptocurrency because they know that it opens the door to taxation. The spot Bitcoin ETF, I believe, was the first step in a multitude of steps yet to come that are designed to enable collection of taxes. I believe that. Tinfoil me as you care. I believe that's the impetus behind it. It's not of the good of their heart. This is the government. They want that money, money, doop, 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 and they're going to do anything they got to do to get it. And if they have to legalize some of it, they'll happily do it. You can have Warren and all these other people talking about how it's done for illicit activities. They, they have no argument because fiat arguably is used for more illicit activities than crypto ever could be. And she knows that. She's just trying to keep her name up in the, in the news. And that's what it is. So what I'm saying is for now, you're safe from this whole tax shift. If you were freaking out about 2024 taxes, you're safe for right now. Long-term, it's going to come back around. And it's going to come bite us at some point in the future. And you're going to see a parallel to the legalization and accessibility to these cryptocurrency things that then opens the door to more taxation in a distant or even possibly near future. So be careful. Make sure that you're documenting everything that you do. If you're trading cryptocurrency, make sure you're documenting everything that you do 
Because if you don't, you're going to run into some problems that I wouldn't want to see uh, somebody get completely smashed or whatever on the financial side. I'm going to briefly talk about the SHIB ecosystem. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because these are a bunch of numb nuts and I don't want to give them a lot of energy. But I think it's important I speak about it as a, allegedly a bone well that I happen to be. The SHIB, as in the SHIB token Shiba Inu, burn rate has been increasing over time. Price was reflected as a downward at a point and then started to go back up again. Testing resistance has not gone, and I want to stress, has not gone anywhere near its all-time high even now. However, the increase that we're seeing in the burn rate did have an effect on the price. What didn't have a significant positive effect on the price is yet another damn newsletter from these idiots that nobody's going to read. With And I did skim it, to be fair. There's a bunch of garbage in this that nobody cares about. They don't seem to understand what the community wants to hear about. What the community wants to hear about is what they are specifically planning to do that is going to have a direct correlation to positive price movement. Yes, it's a problem with identity theft and all these breaches and everything else. Yes, there is a possible application for digital identity. Right now, you don't have the fundamentals to do all the rest of it, so you shouldn't be focusing on the next shiny because you're coming across like the Libero and Thorium ecosystem when you do that. You need to focus on the fundamentals that you've let slide for so damn long because your tokens are slipping in price and you're waiting, I know, for this run that we expect is going to happen without you doing anything for some price movement so you can sell. I got it. What I'd rather see from these idiots is some actions, specific actions designed to improve the price of all of the tokens in the ecosystem. That is what I do not see. I know that, I don't know if it was Shitoshi or somebody else, but I know somebody went on a rant about the work that they had done up to that point and they're not getting credit and everybody's complaining. This is bubble because they're not understanding why the complaints are what they are. The complaints are what they are because they don't see that these actions are correlating to strong positive price movement that is sustained. And they expect that you continue with the pattern that you started after the cologne scented book nonsense when Shibarium launched. You haven't gotten more on board with Shibarium. You haven't convinced exchanges why they should integrate Shibarium. You've not convinced top-tier exchanges to list Bone and or Leash. You haven't done actions that contribute to the positive price movement of the tokens. And the reason it's important is if you don't do that, you're not going to convince any of these developers why they should go on Shibarium because I would remind you, you still have Pulse Chain sitting out there that's just as appealing to those people. Pulse Chain is way more active than you are. How can you justify that? I'll tell you how. Richard Hart, say what you will about the man, did a stellar job of selling people on why they should develop for that chain. That's what it was. It didn't matter if they don't sustain long-term. The price reflects itself. Hex, if you look at Hex, for what it does, which isn't much, Hex is by far and away superior, and the people in the SHIB ecosystem see that. They see these other tokens spin up that catch their eye. And maybe the team behind SHIB doesn't get it. Money is simply shifted from project to project. So if you can't sell people on why money should come to your project, it's not going to come to your project. So if you don't, if that's cool with you, great. But that means you're going to lose a lot of investors if you don't change gears. And you can start by stop sending bullshit, sorry, newspapers that nobody's going to read with information that does not directly correlate to positive price movement. Coinbase recently came under a little bit of scrutiny 
allegedly, so there's Bitcoin ETF vaults. Okay, so these vaults are where inflow of Bitcoin comes in and then they're made accessible. Allegedly, eight out of 11 Bitcoin ETF vaults are owned or managed by Coinbase, which is what? Centralization, which does what? Contradicts a decentralized world. I want to clarify a couple of points here. First, I want to quote what was said in the analysis. Quote, by design, our financial market infrastructure is segregated into different roles. When you have one entity that's responsible for the entire life cycle of the trade, I think that causes concerns. That comes from David Schwed, CEO of Halburn, which is a cybersecurity company. Here's where he's right and he's wrong. Here's where he's wrong. In a true decent world, he is 100% correct. An ETF, by its very nature, cannot be decentralized. Let me repeat what I said. An ETF, by its very nature, cannot be decentralized. It cannot be decentralized because an ETF, by definition, is a pool of assets. Someone must manage that pool. It is not a decentralized pool. It is a pool that is managed. Some management happens to be, in this case, an exchange. Some management might be some other entity. It doesn't really matter. The centralization, you cannot avoid it by the nature of what it is for the ETFs. The, and so then he went on and he was talking about, well, why didn't, why isn't this, this is a risk and this could, da, 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 da. again, centralization is going to happen no matter what. What was called out by other people when they asked about this and they said, well, I think it's a problem. What's going on here? Why did the SEC approve this? And isn't this a conflict? And isn't this a problem? Okay. More analysis was done and they determined that Fidelity's specifically appears to have been differently done. Now, there's in ETFs, you identify normally, you identify what's referred to as a custodian or custody, has custody of assets. The reason people are freaking out is because in some cases that custodian is a single exchange that's a Coinbase, right? In some cases, the custody custodian is themselves. And in some cases, there is no custody. Now, when you look at the, the money flow and money access and safety of the money and security of the money, as well as when you audit, if you need to audit some of these things and access and, and uh, easy access to money, what is the goal when you spend the ETF? It is to facilitate access to and from. The best way to do that is to be an exchange. When you don't have a custodian, it actually makes it harder for that access. If it's custody of themselves, as in they hold the access, they don't allow anybody else, it's a single point of failure. Huh? Because what happens if that organization, you know, let's take uh, Voyager, right? Or, you know, Circle. Circle is a great example. Single point of failure. Circle right now can block your access to things. They can do all sorts of crazy stuff. Coinbase can do the same when you go to this custodian versus a self-custody. My point is, it's a single point of failure when you're doing it yourself. Nobody knows what you're really doing with the assets. If you don't have a custodian, perhaps that's the most secure in terms of you and distrust of you, but it's not necessarily the most accessible because there's nobody, you, there's no throat to choke. All I'm saying is it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter who the custodian specifically is. It doesn't really matter. I think the most important thing to understand when we're dealing with an ETF is 
The whole point is to facilitate access to and from the assets within the ETF. By its very nature, it is centralized because it's a pool of assets no matter what. And the price is reflective of the accessibility factor. So I, as an example, I bought a little bit on the Fidelity side because I wanted to watch that price movement. Its price hasn't gone hardly anywhere. I haven't checked all the rest of them and I do plan to and I'll do a follow-on. My point is, you got to think about what is the single point of failure principle? What is the risk principle? And accessibility principle. These are important. It's not just, well, this one person has it. Because we're not dealing with cryptocurrency, we're dealing with an ETF, which is a pool. You're, you're, you're banking against the pool. You're not trading the crypto itself. Thus, you can never have decentralization. That's my point. It doesn't really matter beyond all the rest of it. I will go through the due diligence and watch and see what's going on with the other ETFs and see if there's any appreciable value difference in their so-called, quote, centralization as opposed to fidelity. Since I have fidelity, I can, you know, I can copy and paste and see what that looks like. True USD very recently had a DPEG event. This seems to start start starting to happen a lot more frequently, a lot of these uh, so-called, quote, stable coins, but had a recent DPEG event. And of course, it's yet another of these projects that Justin Sun is associated with having peg issues. I, I, I'm not going to make the pun. I will refuse to do that. But point is, in a DPEG event, this happened like literally a couple of hours ago as I record this. Allegedly, what happened is they swapped accounting firms and then all of a sudden, they had a whole bunch of depegging activity and instability happening on chain. And people were noticing, okay, this is just going down. It's not, usually it's about 90, 99 cents is like the lowest you'd see. It went as low as like very close to 97 cents. It didn't go to 97, but close to 97 cents. And as I record this, it has not fully stabilized. I don't know exactly if this was a people only type deal, or there was something that was found with respect to the reserves and the money that's behind it. The theory that's spinning around is that there may have been something going on with third parties where some third party somewhere has either faltered or failed or otherwise that caused or exacerbated. I can't say for sure. I will look deeper into it. I don't trade true USD, but I will look into it and then I'll do a follow on episode for uh, Thursday, probably on what I find. Cause I'm, I'm curious myself, frankly, the last bit I want to talk about this one. I'm, I'm hesitant to talk about it, but I think it's important to discuss it to, because right now I'm seeing worse. It's, it's, it's a throwback to what we had in 2021 and I want to just catch it and nip it in the bud. What happened is I was doing some trades earlier on. This is on Ethereum and something's weird with my, uh, one of my wallets where it simply will not approve any Ethereum transaction. I don't know why I can do a different wallet. No problem, but just not this other one. What I noticed on the one that did work, gas prices were way out of whack. It wanted 70 bucks to do a trade. The trade was only $200. It wasn't worth it, but I was able to negotiate and get something else and get a 50, but still the gas prices were way out of whack considering we did the Ethereum proof of stake that was supposed to help alleviate this. It didn't seem to work very well. And I'm noticing that prices are increasing for gas transactions, just like we saw when Ethereum's proof of work which in my mind may lend itself to a general bullish indicator, as in it may be because there's more activity on chain. We may be on the route up. We may be headed back up, maybe positive. So between that 
and what happened with Vivek Ramaswamy, like I talked about at the very beginning. I said that there's this all could be bullish. This all could be good. This whole, the drop from 48 to 3 to 43 could be strategic. Vivek dropping out and, of course, Alec Daller being the front runner in Donald Trump. They all could be bullish. You might be wondering why I said that. Now, now I'm going to explain that at the end of the episode. The reason I think this all might be bullish is consider, is it possible that people might be cramming and rushing to do everything that they can in cryptocurrency, including buy and sell both? Because maybe they stack, right, in anticipation of another winner, or they just, they sell and then price goes down and there's certain other people that are just so vehement about it. They're just going to buy in and buy in and buy in. That's all general bullish sentiment. So if you get somebody or we anticipate that we're not going to have somebody that supports cryptocurrency in the long run, is it possible that certain cryptocurrency basically just goes back underground, but you still have access to it. You still have access to fiat conversions for it. You still have transactional things, simply that it's not as mainstream or Certain of these countries that have embraced it, embrace it even more because they know that the United States isn't going to do it. And if you didn't know, most of these countries are in competition with us. They don't want us to be front. They want themselves to be front, especially China. They want to be the front runner. So it's possible that the very bull run that's, that we don't see right now might show up based on not having somebody in office that's helping support cryptocurrency adoption widespread. But as I said, it's also possible that we're seeing a push towards cryptocurrency adoption step-by-step step because they want that tax money, because they know that that's more tax revenue. Time will tell. It's an intriguing set. Be careful no matter what you do, because I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I do know right now, upward is the direction that we see, and upward is the direction we anticipate, and I don't see anything coming contradictory to that statement.